Next on BYUSN, the transfer portal season is upon us in hoops and just around the corner in football. And what are the risks and rewards of leaning into the portal? And will BYU take the leap? Quantum Leap. I know you watched that in the uh, 80s. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. There's no original ideas. Let's just bring it all back. It is Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Jerem Jordan alongside jealous Twitter viewer of helmets, Jason Shepard. Oh, my goodness. Um, we will get into this a little bit later on in the program during the whip. Uh, but there Properly a, pronounced, thank yes, you. Yes, there is a helmet out there that may be the perfect complement um, to each other, first off, in terms of the, the teams. And to your house. And to my house. Yeah. It might be the greatest helmet I've ever seen in my in life. In the future. Now, that is a tease. Now, that is called a tease. What else is on the program yes, besides that, Yes, speaking of teasing on today's program, will BYU football and BYU basketball's top players come from the transfer portal? And if that happens, are you okay with that? Number 16, Jersey, and number one in your heart, Blaine Fowler, mm. joins us to answer that very question and talk some more spring football. Just how many Big 12 teams are already top 25 favorites next season? This number's going to blow your mind. Plus, the top five plays from last Friday's BYU football alumni game. Here are today's headlines. We've got a show. Let's go. Baseball loses, unfortunately, to Washington State. 6-1 yesterday in Pullman as the final 22 batters went down in order. Not great, Bob. Cougars host San Francisco starting Thursday live on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps at 8 Eastern time. Men's volleyball remains number seven after two wins over USC last week. Also, Capono Brown was named off the block's national opposite of the week. After leading the Cougars to those two victories over the Trojans, he finished with 38 kills in the two matches. It was awesome. Softball's Ilana Agbayana wins WCC Pitcher of the Week after eight innings of relief including four and a third scoreless innings of pitching at the LSU Purple and Gold Challenge. Agbayana also, uh, Agbayani also batted 389 last week. Today's game at Idaho State postponed due to weather, which has been the entire softball season, feels like. So the Cougars look to open conference play at Santa Clara this weekend where they don't anticipate any snow like it is right now. Yeah, postponed due to weather is just a copy and paste. Just, just <laughs> yeah. about almost every day for so many sports. Absolutely. Yeah. Men's track and field is the third best program of the year according to mm. the USTF CCCA NCAA D1. How so many, many letters, letters and numbers? Yeah, what's going on? So many letters. In fact, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 numbers. Or 13 letters and one number. But the good news but is, third. but they're third overall, so congratulations to them. The rankings includes cross-country and indoor track and field performances. It's awesome. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Getting a quarterback was priority number one, and BYU did that. Ahead to Robinson. This transfer portal is super complicated. There's so many different factors that come into play. It's free agency every year. Indeed it is. What's Trending is presented by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. We are in a new era of collegiate athletics where the transfer portal is a much bigger deal in the composition of a team. So Shep, let's dive into that head first. What's the risk reward of leaning too much on the portal or recruiting kids out of high school? In a perfect world, you want to balance both. And quite frankly, I think that's ultimately where this falls out. Eventually, you find that happy medium. But right now, when the transfer portal, it's not necessarily so new because it's been around now for a couple of years, but it's still new enough 
that it's it's sort of the quick fix and when you have holes to plug that's kind of where you go because you obviously have players that in a perfect world have have already proven their worth in terms of what they add to a team so in a perfect world you want both you st- i still believe all programs whether it's football basketball doesn't doesn't matter the sport women's soccer baseball softball you still have to have a core group of of players that are probably homegrown. You've, you've got to have that core that, that kind of moves with you. You can weave in and out transfer portal players depending on need, depending on the year, but you still have to have a core group of players that are there. And that comes from getting them out of high school and recruiting them and bringing them into the program and hopefully having them for two, three, four years into your program. Now that doesn't always work, but look, we, we live in an era where you know you have the opportunity to go get proven talent, and when you know you have a need at a certain position, that's that's kind of the way it's going, and it's not going to go away. It's not going to slow down. It's it's not going to something that's like a fad right now. This is what college athletics is now. So whether you like it or you don't, it's here to stay. And the one year um, or, or the one transfer no penalty rule has certainly changed that too. Um, When you had to sit out, you weren't as quick to go get somebody from another school. The portal certainly is uh, a new place where you can gather and centralize as opposed to, uh, you know, it was weird before. Michael Wadsworth from Hawaii uh, was weird, where coaches prevent someone from transferring uh, in conference uh, to certain teams, blah, blah, blah. The, the risk is if you miss, you're in trouble. Yes. Um, unfortunately, men's hoops had that this year. It wasn't the same class as Barcelo, Harms, Averett type stuff of Jake Toulson and Yoli Childs coming back type of stuff. BYU was really successful in men's hoops the first couple of years. Last two years, not as much, have not made the NCAA tournament, did not sniff the NCAA tournament. Won you know, three games in the NIT last year. It wasn't a bad year, per se. If those players are seniors, those are one and done. They're sort of an investment level um, that if you want them around a while, it's not there. But if you want, like, Keaton Slovis for one year, you get him. If you want Rudy Williams for one year, you get him. How much development happens um, you know, with, with certain transfers versus, say, a kid out of high school? It can be the same, but if it's a one and done guy, you're, just, you're coming in to do a certain job, right? Um, it's hard to get a longer-term investment um, sometimes out of the portal when maybe it's just a year or two guy as opposed to a guy you have for longer. Now, in the case of, like, Jackson Robinson, you can get him for three years, uh, which is great. The reward is, like I mentioned, 2021 hoops. You're a six-seed at-large in the NCAA tournament because you brought in Matt Harms and Brandon Averett, and now Alex Barcelo is a starter after a year at BYU. It can work. But you were surrounded by kids out of high school, Caleb Lohner, Trevin Nell, Connor Harding, another transfer, Spencer Johnson, but hadn't really played much. So that, that balance um, matters. I, like, how much do I care about how much BYU uses the portal? I think a balance of high school yeah. kids, and then in the case of BYU, what does everyone say is BYU's advantage? The missions, right? Are they not an advantage for BYU? I think we agree that they are in the physical and emotional development of certain individuals that later pays dividends when times get hard, and the fact that they might be a 20-year-old freshman and 21-year-old sophomore, I think it helps when Dallin Hall is going through a hard thing and it's like, well, I've been on a mission. Like, I'm, I can withstand this a little better emotionally. Yeah. I think that is an advantage. And BYU's advantage is there are certain kids that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that want to be here. 
you don't have to recruit them as hard. You certainly have to recruit them, and you can't assume they just want to come. But they want to be here in some instances, I would say, in, in more instances than not, right? BYU needs that as the core. But I understand from a coaching staff perspective, Shep, that I, there's no guarantee that I am around three or four years right. or even two years from now. It is about when now. So thus, the transfer portal is the answer in many instances. But let's walk through a couple of teams on campus, like you mentioned, and how they might be different from each other. Football uses the portal more than you think. Okay, we, we kind of talk about basketball with the portal a lot. Well, and, and the, the difference is the margin for error is, is a lot thinner on basketball sure. because, as, as was brought up, you, you have fewer players. Yes. And so on football, if you miss on a transfer, mm-hmm. it can be covered up a little bit more because you have such a large roster. Yes. So, so it's, it really is sort of apples and oranges when you compare the transfer portal in football to the transfer portal in basketball. Now, if we're talking total roster size, as opposed to like two deep or main Correct. contributors, 35% of men's hoops the last two years have been transfers. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking that year. I'm talking total right. at any point came in as a transfer. In football, as of this moment, uh, 21% of the roster are transfers, 25 of the 119. Certainly, you don't have 119. But you look at notables that have come in this year. Keaton Slovis, Eddie Heckard, Aiden Robbins, Jackson Cravens, Isaiah uh, Banya. BYU's best player on the team is Kingsley Suamatia. He is a transfer from Oregon, right? And then Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuahu, Ian Fitzgerald, Wyatt Daw. You have to have the transfer portal to be successful in 2023. You really do. Our conversation resides around... What is too much? Okay, let's, let's just say top five. Let's say your top five, based off of the graphic that we just showed. Yeah. I'm hoping the Cody... Top, the top five players on, on, BYU's that, that football team? May, on BYU's football team that you would consider maybe the five best players? The, the hope is that... Are they in, all transfers? No. I would hope that uh, Cody Epps and or Isaac Rex is also in that mix. Okay, but, I would hope one but of if those the majority receivers. of them are transfers... Does that matter? Because to me, ultimately, look, they're BYU players. Yes, you, they you all want, become BYU yes, players when they get here. You want the balance. You want mm-hmm. to have the, the, the guys that you recruit out of high school and that are your foundation that are here, and you also want to bring in these, these high-level talents that, that can come in and they're, fill spots. They're also so, the new shiny toy. But, but do you, does forgetting. it matter to you? If the end result is BYU players are winning games, does it matter to fans if they're transfers or homegrown talent? It does if it's at the cost of the long term. Okay. What do I mean by that is, um, sure, you can bring in a bunch of dudes and win now. Absolutely. And that's what every coaching staff's agenda is. It's like a president of the United States. They don't care about the next term. They care about getting an office for this term. Then it's the next one, right? It, 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 everyone has an agenda. And the agenda of BYU athletics is win. But my concern specifically with men's hoops is that in three or four years, we may look back and go, why didn't they sign anyone in 2023 out of high school? I understand why they don't, but I am concerned about, well, where's the next Dallin Hall? Where is the next uh, Trevin Nell? And so on and so forth. If you're too into the portal and not enough into what BYU's advantage is, I fear that in the long term there may be um, ramifications that are tough where it's like, Oh, crap. We're just year to year now, and we just have to go to the portal. But what, I think we're already there. And I, I, it's in men's B, basketball, it's I BYU feel like thing. the I, reliance is too heavy. I, I feel well, like that's just college athletics anymore, that it is year to year. I get you, but is every team attached to a church who has kids who want to go to said school? No, no. No. Mm-mm. Like, 
Notre Dame is a big enough brand where they don't feel like, hey, we need a ton of Catholic kids. You know what I mean? They can get whoever, wherever, uh, from whatever walk of life. BYU is more that direction, and I think it's great. I just think from a competitive standpoint, the makeup of BYU teams certainly need a certain amount of the kids that you have access to already. And in men's basketball and football, you may have to pay these guys a certain amount. At some point, you may ha have to even pay the kids who are members of the church a certain amount. But um, can, can it exist uh, it, you know, w with majority transfer portal and, and win and sustain it? That is the question. I fear that it may not be as sustainable as we hope because now you're in the same predicament in Kentucky and Duke, not in getting five stars, but in the, well, it's roster turnover every year. And what's the sustainability of being too portal heavy? I don't know what, if there's a number for that. I, I just... What if BYU didn't have Dallin Hall this year? What if they didn't have Richard Harwood? What if they had not recruited Foose out of high school? You certainly have a role for those guys. Now, football is interesting. Do you let someone else show you that a player's good and then you bring them in? Like, what, what we're not talking about is that Connor Pay is a good player on BYU's team out of high school. There's a certain amount of those dudes mm -hmm. that you need. Let's look at, um, so we've addressed men's hoops and football a bit. Let's look at, say, uh, women's soccer. Brecken Mozingo is the best player on the team. She is a transfer. UCLA. Grace Johnson came from Mississippi. Ellie Walbrook just came from UCLA. Yep. But that's it. But that's it. The rest are homegrown. Women's soccer does it without needing yes. a bunch of stars from the portal. A, a couple, sure. Women's volleyball. Um, mostly liberos the last couple of years. The exception is Kenzie Kerber for one year that, that made BYU way better. Mostly homegrown. And they are a top 15 program. Uh, women's basketball. Lauren Gustin was a transfer. In fact, two-time transfer right. from Idaho and Salt Lake Community College. Uh, Jenna Asai coming over from Oregon, uh, and it's, they have a really nice recruiting class coming in. I wonder if it's mostly football and men's basketball it, it in this is. conversation where it's more competitive and harder to get the um, sort of I want to be at BYU from little kid on type of athlete? Is that what we're talking about here? I, I think that that's what we're seeing, that the majority of the transfer portal in terms of, in, in part of our conversation, the, the number of transfers, it's, we're basically talking about football and basketball. What the other programs on campus have done, they just haven't needed it. They, they, it's not... Why not? It's a great it, question. In that, in, that sport, uh, in that sports, you don't need it. Is, is it the sort of... Because I would argue that uh, in women's volleyball and women's soccer, BYU is more competitive nationally than they are in football and men's basketball at this point. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And men's volleyball. The yeah, pool I is smaller of available players at that level. But it is unique. I wonder, yeah, I wonder why, like, well, I've always wondered, if BYU got every kid that wanted to be at BYU, um, and, and how competitive would they be nationally? Um, I feel like BYU would be very competitive. Look, at the end of the day, I, I think the part that we're talking about here is when, when we talk about the guys that you recruit, there, there's a certain connection that whether you follow them in high school or not, by the time they're on the radar of your school, you're following the recruitment of them. And then on signing day, and then if they go on a mission, when they come back, you've invested, you're sort of emotionally invested in some of these guys. Oh, yeah. And so there's that part of it that I think some fans don't want to lose. Because they, they have a, a guy come in and you don't really know a whole lot about it. You may know him by his name because of something he's done somewhere else. 
but they, they don't want to lose that connection. And that's why I think it's the teams that can find a balance with it, I think, are going to be in really good shape. But at the end of the day, it's about winning football games. It's yes. about winning basketball games. 100%. And if guys can come in, if programs can turn the transfer portal into win after win after win, and like we hit on that guy and we hit on this guy, if they come in and You'll help the programs sometimes. win, you're yeah. going gonna to miss. Yeah. But if you can hit more than you miss, then people aren't going to care where the players come from. They just want the results. And, and I agree with you. In the long term, I wonder how sustainable being too transfer portal heavy will be at a place like BYU where you have a built-in advantage. Yeah. I don't know the answer, but it's a conversation we're having because April 4th. Our question of the day is this. How much do you want BYU Athletics to lean into the transfer portal? Certainly they need to, but how much? Farmer Hiram on Instagram. Is that a first name or is that a title? I don't know. Brother Hiram says, as much as they need to, fill in the holes where needed, but I don't think relying solely on the transfer portal is sustainable in the long run. Amen. Um, BYU needs to create or strengthen new pipelines for recruits as the Big 12 nears. Luckily, we've already begun to see this happening at a high level as recruits are showing more interest in BYU. Absolutely. Every coach is telling us, listen, it opens certain doors that were not open before. The exception of that is women's soccer. Women's soccer can recruit Utah and California kids and be top 20 every year. Yes. They do not need to tap into Texas and Oklahoma and Ohio and Florida like maybe football and men's basketball need to, which is really interesting. Continue to weigh on on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you missed any of the BYU Alumni Day and scrimmage activities, or for that matter, any interviews or broadcasts that we do, you can catch it all on demand at BYUSN.com or on the BYU TV app. Blaine Fowler joins us on the other side. Does he think BYU should rely on the transfer portal to get more BYU top players? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Waterman wants a three. Got it! Slams it in, and we're off and running. Transfers, baby. That's what we're talking about today. We're live in Studio B. Jerem Jordan with Shep on your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for being here. We now bring into the program Uncle B, Blaine Fowler via Zoom. Blaine, we're having a fun conversation about sustainability of the transfer portal. What's, uh, what's leaning in too much? What's the right balance? What's your opinion on all this? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, the transfer portal's here to stay, especially especially in basketball. Um, and I feel like the transfer portal can be used. Um, you go recruit your freshman classes and you bring in your core of guys that, that fit your fit your university and fit what you're trying to do. And then you evaluate after they've been there a year or two, okay, what what pieces are we missing and how do we augment that with transfer portal guys? Um, and a perfect example of that is – San Diego State and UConn just played in the national championship game last night. Um, Hurley, last year they lost in the first round of the tournament. He's like, we're just not good enough on the outside. We don't have shooters that we can bring off the bench. we got to go get some guys. They went and signed four perimeter players, um, a number of which um, Newton, of course, is starting on the outside for them. But a lot of guys that are coming in and having a big impact. 
One that everybody will know from BYU is Calcaterra from University of San Diego comes in and, and, and is out there shooting 44% from three off the bench for those guys. So he didn't recruit his core from the per- portal, but he looked at what the missing pieces were, and he went out and got four pieces that fit, and they earned the national championship game. A Dutch at San Diego State, who's a good friend of all of ours, uh, he went out and got a couple of big transfers. Um, Micah Parrish and, and, and Trammell in this offseason have had a huge impact because he needed some guys that could really defend on the perimeter and could shoot threes. Um, and they brought Bradley in from Cal the year before. So three of his key guys are transfer portal guys. But Mensa and all those guys, those guys have been there for the long term. So their core, they recruited as freshmen. And then they looked at what the missing pieces were, and they went and filled those pieces in with transfer portal guys. And I think I think that's the formula in basketball. Um, so what does BYU need to do? I, I think they, they went out and got some guys. I don't know. Of that group they got last year, I think Jackson Robinson has the best potential to long-term be a really big-time contributor. Amen. But the core has to be those freshmen that they had to play this last year, right? Like that's Hall and Saunders and Toulson. Those guys need to develop and be really, really good, and they may need to go get and Foos, right, and a Tiki. And then you augment it with these other guys, and, and we're looking at that, that, that homegrown hoopers on one side. Those guys have to develop and be your core. And the first page that we just looked at, those guys have to be guys that fill in and, and bring something to this team that, that the other guys don't. And there's there's a real good balance. Shep, you were, you were talking about that. There's a real big balance between getting too overboard on transfers um, and not having enough of those core guys. It's really important to maintain that balance. And it's and in football, I think they've they've been able to do a, do a pretty good job of that. Okay, so let, let's talk about that balance because we all agree that you need to find the balance does it fluctuate year in and year out on how much you lean into the to the transfer portal, how much you lean on the core? I mean, what's the risk-reward on leaning too far one way or the other year in and year out? I think this past year is a little bit of a – hopefully a little bit of an aberration because it was really Mark's first recruiting class where he had return missionaries that had to go out and then come back. And so all of a sudden he had to play those guys as freshmen. They weren't quite ready for prime time. I think they will be next year. Um, and so they had to rely way more heavily on the transfer portal. I think it was too much, right? But but I think that fixes itself as these guys develop. Um, and if you bring a Colin Chandler off a of mission, who's probably ready to play right when he comes off of mission, right? Let's face it. He's the best recruit they've had in, since Danny probably. Um, and, and so I think they get back to where more of the core is, what they're relying on, and and the the transfers are some key cogs that come in. I'm not saying that a tr- a transfer player can't be your best guy. That that can be the case. Remember Wilcher a couple years ago for Gonzaga that came from Kentucky after being the sixth man of the year in the SEC. He was their best guy, but he wasn't. It wasn't like they were relying on five transfers to carry the team. And so I think that that's where the balance comes. It, that player or two can be really, really good and a big-time contributor, but there has to be a core that's there with you long-term to keep your culture and all of those things intact. And growing old matters. We saw the 2019-20 team was uh, fed up with not being good enough and really turned that season into something special. Can BYU grow old? Um, and, and that requires some, uh, what'd you say, Home, homegrown hoopers? I like that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. In, in football... Because there's so many more guys that contribute, we probably haven't noticed that BYU's relied on the transfer portal 
for as long as I can remember. Now, in the old days, it was the JC route, but the, the JC route isn't isn't used as much anymore because of the transfer portal. But let's go all the way. Let's go back to '96. Um, the two starting corners that played every single game and were lights out are Tim McTyre and Omar Morgan, both JC transfers. Yep. Huge cocks. Integral part of, of a BYU being a top five team. They wouldn't have been without those guys. They're players on the offensive side. But in football, there's so many more guys. And I was thinking about on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, the incoming transfers this year and their role and 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 the core guys. If I think of the top five guys on defense, Tyler Batty, Ben Bywater, Jacob Robinson, Micah Harper, they're, they're all right there. They're in the top five guys. Now, Eddie Heckard, I think, may find himself in the top five, so he's a great addition. Isaiah Bagna is a rush end. We'll see. Does he make his way in? But but now we're talking about there's a big core, and the guys coming back that have been in this program, I'm pretty certain they're going to be uh, five of the top seven guys defensively. And then on the offensive side, Kingsley's the best player on the offense. He's the biggest NFL prospect. Connor Pay's an NFL guy. Isaac Rex is going to be healthy. Mason Wake, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps. Those guys are all going to be in the top five or top ten players offensively. And then I think Aiden Robbins and Keaton Slovis are going to find themselves in that top five or six on football before it's all said and done. We'll see where they show up. you got to be really good at quarterback. I hope Keaton Slovis ends up in the top three on offense, and then BYU's in good shape. So in football, it's it's a little different because there's so many more guys that contribute. And BYU has NFL talent already on on both sides of the ball and has had that. We just saw that in the spring spring game where the seven active NFL guys were back there on the sidelines, seven of them, um, and, and more to come here in the next coming years. So football, it's just not quite as obvious because the roster you, – you bring in two transfers that have a big – um, a big impact, and they end up being starters. You know, that's two fifths of of your starting roster. All of a sudden, just got replaced. It's just not as obvious in football, but it's happening in football too. And it just seems like there's a better balance by nature of of how many guys have an impact. And they have some good players coming back on the football side. I think they have some good players coming back from the core on basketball. They were just really young last year, impressed into action when they were just back from missions, which really wasn't fair to them. We'll evaluate them this year and see if Mark and those guys did a good job recruiting when they recruited those guys out of high school before they went on their missions. I have an inkling that we're going to find out that those guys are really good and that when Colin Chandler comes back, he's going to be really good too. Blaine, we were discussing this too, and we don't know the answer. I want to get your thought on this. Certainly in football and men's basketball, uh, football, BYU is competitive nationally. Men's basketball, BYU trying to get back to that. Women's soccer and women's volleyball, you could argue, with cross-country, I suppose, are the most competitive national sports that BYU competes in. Um, they don't rely on the transfer portal heavily. Why is it that football and men's basketball require this, whereas those do not? Men's football and basketball are trying to make the climb. Um, think about it. BYU just played in a national championship game in soccer was a year before last, right? Yep. Um, they're a perennial top ten program. So they go recruit anybody they want. They're, they they made their way to the point where Gonzaga is in basketball. Gonzaga relied on the transfer portal a little bit and, and Europe and New Zealand and Australia until a few years ago, and then they got back-to-back national players of the year to sign in Suggs and Holmgren, right? And so you got to get there, and then when you get there, um, then all of a sudden you can get a higher-level recruit. I think the BYU is going to get a higher-level recruit 
uh, in both football and basketball just by virtue of actually being in the Big 12 starting this year. And I think in basketball, from a transfer perspective, I think they get a higher caliber transfer um, just by virtue of who they're going to play and the exposure that they're going to get with who they're going to play in a, in a, in a power five, power six, because we've got to include the Big East League, right? Um, so it takes time to get there. The soccer program, the volleyball program, those programs are already there. I, I love, we had Jen Rockwood on one of our shows. I can't remember what show it was. And we said, uh, you know, it seems like you guys would be ready to compete. And she made no bones about it. She said, oh, yeah, we go in and expect to compete for a championship in that league right now because we expect to compete for national championships. And the people that are recruiting know that that's where they're at in soccer. So you can get the best recruits in the country because you're already proven. Football and basketball have to get there. Um, the first step was to get into a P5 league, and, and the next step is to compete in that league, and then you can get a higher level recruit when you do that. So you gotta you got to create a little magic and find some diamonds in the rough between now and then. All it takes is getting to an Elite Eight in basketball, and all of a sudden the recruits that are available to you change dramatically. All right, let's get back to football, but move away from the portal conversation. Uh, obviously had the spring scrimmage, no – uh, no activities this week. We'll wrap up spring football next week. Um, where, what, what are your takeaways from where BYU is right now in the process of making these changes and kind of turning things over and getting into a new year? Where, where do you think they are right now? Yeah, I, I like the tone that I've seen in practice, and I got I got to go because we were doing the Friday spring game. They let me come watch this the the real scrimmage a few days before on Monday that week, and. You know, what's been happening in spring ball is offense wins the day one day and they're moving the ball really well. Uh, defense gets ticked off. They kind of game plan. They come back and they dominate the next the next day. That's what you want in spring ball. If one side of the ball is absolutely dominating, that actually can be a problem, right? You want it to go back and forth. Most important thing to me is, um, because the most important position maybe in any team sport is quarterback in football, is that Keaton Slovis has looked really good. And and what you hear from people, I love what you hear them talk about. They talk about, man, this guy's just a workhorse. My, he is in the weight room. He's in the film room. He just he doesn't want to leave this place. Culturally, he's a phenomenal fit. Teammates love him already. He's going to be a great leader. Well, those were the questions I had about Keaton Slovis coming in as a grad, tra- you know, as a, as a, a one-year guy, is how is he going to fit in? Go look at his skill set on tape from all the way back to when he was a freshman and sophomore at USC. He can make every throw on the field. He's got the physical skills. How is he going to fit in? And the answer is a resounding really, really well. That bears, I think, that that's a big, big thing to come out of spring ball with. And they've got a couple more practices next week when they come back from spring break. Um, but uh, that's what I was looking at. And the passion – and the aggressiveness that the defense is playing with is the other theme from spring ball. Part of it is you got a new coaching staff, and every player knows their job's on the line, so they're playing with tremendous passion and, and excitement. And they're also excited to play a more aggressive style. And I think there's going to be some guys that emerge on defense that were just okay players last year that in a different philosophy. Um, we may go, whoa, where was that guy last year? Well, he's playing a different technique this year that matches his skill set better. I think the defense is going to be surprisingly good. So those are my takes from spring ball. Quarterback position is going to be in good hands, and it's going to be deeper than it's been in a while. We really didn't get to see Aiden Robbins at running back, but I think Miles Davis is back and looking good. Ropati's look good. 
The offensive line is going to be really good again. This this football team is going to be better and more competitive in this league than people are giving them credit for right now. And if they go out and win seven or eight games next season, I will not be surprised based on what I've seen in spring ball. Amen. And of note, the top three quarterbacks on the pecking order, all from the transfer portal. Blaine, we appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Good to talk with you guys. Thanks, Blaine. Insightful stuff from Blaine about, uh, yeah, you've got to get good, and then maybe your recruiting classes are better, and then you don't need the portals. Yeah, it's the chicken or the egg. Yes, which, which exactly. comes first? You have to have one for the other, and it, it's it, it's just one, it's the way collegiate athletics is. And right when now. you have eighty-five scholarships in football, yes, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. you can use more correct uh, there, and you can miss a little more, and it's harder to notice that. Yeah, exactly. All right, BYU baseball returns home on Thursday, beginning a three-game series against the San Francisco Don. Come on, boys! Watch Game One Thursday night, eight Eastern time, on the BYU TV app. Is there an, a BYU NFL duo that could dethrone Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill in popularity? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. Interact with the show and get great content throughout the day. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok while it's still around. (laughs) That's another subject. He is Jason. I am Jeremy. Let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Jordan Reed, no relation to you for obvious reasons because it's not his last name. Jordan Reed has Jaron Hall projected as the 13th best quarterback in the NFL draft and has Jaron as a late day three pick or an undrafted free agent. Which is more likely, Reed's projection or what we had talked a lot about being a third or fourth round pick? We're hearing both ends of the spectrum. I don't know where Jaron's going to be drafted. Let's just say in the fifth round. How about that? Uh, right in the <laughs> middle. The right in the middle. Certainly want Jaron to be drafted. I just think it'd be awesome to say, yep, back-to-back starting quarterbacks if you already have been drafted. Either way, Jaron's going to get a legit look from someone in the NFL, but certainly he is more than good enough to be drafted. Yes. Really hoping that happens. Do not care where. Um, if it's in the seventh, fine, but I would certainly prefer like an early day three if it's going to be day three. I would like to know why he's slipping in some of these because everything that was talked about regarding Jaron through the season and going into stuff over the last couple of months, none of that has changed. He was first round discussed yeah, in yes. September. So I'm, I'm a bit surprised that we're starting to hear this, that he's, that he's falling a little bit. I'm with you. I want the fit. And I understand that there's also money that is attached to where you go. So I certainly want him to go as high as possible so that he can capitalize on that. But at the end of the day, I want him to go to a place where it's going to be a good fit, where he can learn a really good system, and where they will have faith in his abilities. Seahawks, let's go. Pro Football Focus has Blake Freeland going in the third round to the Niners. Would a Freeland and Fred Warner Niners team become the de facto NFL team of BYU fans everywhere? Is there a combination that could unseat Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams with the Saints. Uh, look, I, I think it's going to be tough to beat Andy Reid and Matt Bushman. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, we're, that's, not, that's not the question? No, that's not that was not the question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I think it's probably Jamal and Taysom. Just, you're yes. talking about two of these all-timers. Sort of neutral, yes. I don't have a team, but I yes. love, or I have a team, but I watch them too right. because I want to see what's going I, on. I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to dethrone Jamal and Taysom on the same team. In the era of kids don't have teams, they have favorite players. Right. 
it's hard to uh, not, well, you can have it all. You can have a Fred, it, kids can have a Fred Warner jersey and a Jamal Williams jersey if they want. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, the, it does my, not, my like day to you, you and I, you had a no, team. I do not wear yes. the jersey of another team. No, I never, wear my team never. jersey only. It's like, oh, I just like the colors. Like, I, that's foreign to me. I don't get that. It's That's odd to me. Yeah, that's, that's different. All right, Max Hall gave Keaton Slovis from one quarterback to another his stamp of approval on Friday. Listen to this. I mean, I think he's an elite dude that I can kind of take us where we need to go, especially going into this new conference. Use the E-word. Is that a uh, is that an E-word violation in your opinion? Well, he said dude. He didn't say, uh, you know, quarterback among the other quarterbacks nationally. I think Keaton Slovis can become elite. I think as a freshman, he led the country in completion percentage. That was an elite thing. I would love to see it. To me, elite is, uh, you know, you got to be like a top 10 guy. Uh, in the country. So we certainly hope that Aaron Roderick and BYU's offense and Keaton can combine to become that this year. I have the utmost confidence in what Aaron Roderick can do with Keaton Slovis. We already know the physical skills and abilities he has. We've also seen what Aaron Roderick has done over the last couple of years with the quarterbacks here at BYU and this offense. I have no problem Talking it into existence, declaring Keaton Slovis will be elite this year. And listen, I love Jaron Hall. I would I would argue that Jaron um, was not, you know, in that kind of elite sphere, but he was right outside it. He was very good last year among I'm talking among the quarterbacks. And that's a very picky thing for me. To be elite, you almost have to have a Heisman vote, like among quarterbacks. Yeah. It's very difficult. Jaron was awesome. That is not to disparage him or anybody else. Shout out to Mitch Matthews. You know I love him. UConn has gone from preseason unranked to a men's hoops title. The last football team to do it was Brigham Young in 1984 in the AP poll. Will it ever happen again in football? No, the system doesn't allow it. It, it just doesn't allow it. You, you cannot climb that much to go from unranked into the now, you know, the college football play, you just, there's... What do you mean the system doesn't allow? You win all your games, you you are allowed. But it, but... You think there won't I, be a team I don't think there's going to be a team that will have enough unranked. game. Yes, I don't think there's going to be a team that will start the season unranked, that will be able to play enough of the teams that will get them high enough. What do you mean? It could be any Big Ten, I, I, SEC, I don't, I don't Big think, 12. I don't think it's going to happen. I think those days TCU are, last year was one game away. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. So you never think BYU's going to win a natty again, though? Because BYU ain't starting preseason rank too often. Okay, so you obviously think it's possible. I do, because Cam Newton was so far off the radar of anyone that they didn't know how good he was. He went from off the radar, what, Juco guy? To, uh, well, and previously he was FBS guy. To Heisman! If you have that ascent at that position, you can do it. Okay, but how rare is that? And you're Auburn. <laughs> you're Auburn. Like, you can win the Natty any year. Right. It is very rare. Yes, very rare. But it could happen again, absolutely. Yeah. Right. All right, the way too early top 25s are out for next year's NCAA basketball. Uh, ESPN's yes. Jeff Borzello has four Big 12 teams ranked with Kansas uh, at seven being the highest. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your reaction to the Big 12 teams in the way too early rankings with a lot of them in the top Well, 25? it makes me sweat like it did yeah. throughout this year. Uh, Kansas, Houston instantly becomes one of the best, yep. if not the best team. Texas, Baylor. There's also potential Big 12 teams in there, don't forget. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, Gonzaga, San Diego State. So it could be as high as eight uh, if we look at the next couple of years. By the way, Stuart Mandel told us a few weeks ago on the show, hey, it's, it's uh, you know, Gonzaga's going to the Big 12, could be in the next couple of weeks. 
still waiting on that one. Uh, maybe the Pac-12 has to make a move first. We'll see. If this surprises anybody, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> Where have you been? Where have In you fact, been? In fact, isn't four low? <laughs> yeah. Hon yes, honestly, I thought it would I be five more. or six. I figured it would be at least six. And that includes Houston in this. So it's basically three of the old guard. Right. Is that what we're calling? What are we calling them? The OG ten. And then when Texas and Oklahoma leave, the OG, OG eight. eight. I don't. We don't have a name. That the Great Eight. They weren't all great though. Let's be honest. Okay, BYU football game, Super Bowl champions, Matt Bushman, Zane Anderson, Andy Reid, and assistant running backs coach Porter Ellett, special BYU-Kansas City combo helmets to commemorate the Super Bowl win. Jason, oh. what would you give to get this? Because I can see you doth covet this. I want that so much. <laughs> There's everything about that is so awesome. I don't know how I get one. Obviously, I'm not going to be winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Uh, but I got to have one. What I would give, um, I would give a lot of money and a lot of your money to get one. And a lot of my money. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Whatever I, I would give, I would uh, have you match. You would double it. Yeah. I would have you double it. It'd be like uh, Spencer, then would triple your 401k it. with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with BYU. Yeah, I can only imagine them putting that helmet together, but the Kansas City sticker's not on there, and someone going, uh, what is that in the locker room? <laughs> is that oh, it's those, Kansas City. Is that one of those BYU hats? <laughs> I hate that, by the way. I, I don't. Unless I you're it. a parent yeah. with both a player on both teams, then I get it. But have one wear one, have one wear the other. I'm, not, certain, a, I'm not the half and half jersey hat that's not. Panda Express, you don't do half and half? No. A certain someone yes, I do, actually. showed up at a BYU-Utah game a few years ago with a half-half hat. I did not like it. I am not going to say who it is. Pick, pick, I did not like pick it. Pick it. Pick one. Okay? Just pick one. Pick a side. Pick a side. And by that, we mean pick the blue side. And if you work at BYU, <laughs> it probably should be BYU. Coming up, Top 5 Tuesday features the best plays from the alumni game on Friday. In case you missed it, or if you saw it and want to see it again, this is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You getting Beastie Boys vibes from that? Very much I was expecting so. both of us to be like, Detmer or something. No, it, it didn't happen. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation yeah, live from awkward. Studio B. Um, yeah, it's, it's like the Mormon rap back in the day. Did you enjoy that back in the day? For, uh, for Ty? Yeah. Ooh, Angawa, BYU's got Thai power? <laughs> yeah. I loved it. What are you talking You got your B, you got your <laughs> B. Give me a Y. Listen to that thing all the time. Let's go. Okay, top five Tuesday, alumni game edition in case you missed it. Start us off. Number five, Bronson Kafusi. Now on offense... Look at this, look at this catch. Fade away in the corner! Hold on, should this have been used while he was at BYU? Look at that. Should we have seen this? Max Hall, fade to the corner. I'm not a big fan of the fade route. You are it, You are in your haircut though. I am in my haircut, that's a really nice catch. Yeah. Okay, number four, John Beck to Cody Hoffman. Eight yard touchdown catch, that's a fun sentence. John Beck to Cody Hoffman. Tied the game at 20, Beck on the eight yard line, laser to Hoffman. Uh, sorry, this made it 26-20. This was a huge throw in the game, guarded by Aleva Hifo. Hoffman making sure Hifo's good. Number three, the Aleva Hifo tip and catch. Look at the concentration on this. Look, pops it up, able to come down with it. Look at that, 25-yard catch by Hifo. Tips, bobbles it, secures it. Look at that. 
It's all about the concentration, kids. Brandon Ogletree would have laid him out. <laughs> <laughs> this was full pads. What a great catch by Eleven. Number two, tight end to Bronson Kafusi. 10-yard touchdown throw. Finds Kafusi in the back of the end zone. That tied the game at 20. And our number one play, Ty Detmer overthrows Kao Kaoaluhi. Spencer White grabs the tip, secures the win for the Navy team. Look right through the hands. Spencer White, second interception of the day. He uh, wasn't even expected to be there. Here's the story. Ben Criddle told me this. So Ben Criddle was the defensive coordinator for Navy. Andrew Rich's kids got sick. He called Spencer White and said, hey, do you want to play in this? He's like, oh, I, I'll try and make it work. But Spencer White had two interceptions, two interceptions. including the game winner, and was the MVP of the game. How about that? Like his day started out like, man, I got to go to the grocery store. I got <laughs> to go to two Costco. interceptions gonna... at LaVell Edwards Stadium. And two interceptions, including picking off the Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> That's awesome. For the win. That, uh, awesome. that was wild, man. That's crazy. Okay, after the break, today's rise and shout out to the newest champs because rivalry. This is BYU Sports BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast while you're there. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Are you a one and a half or two x speed podcast listener? No, I have to listen You're to normal 1X. speed. Normal speed. Mm. Yep. I, the, the two speed, I feel too anxious. I'm one and a half speed. <laughs> you get anxious. I'm one and a half speed on almost everything. I tried General Conference on YouTube TV at two x. Totally works. Really? Totally works. It's a slower form of speed. Yes. Typically. Yes. It totally works. So why try. are you trying to Why are you trying to get rid of uh, General Conference faster? Rid of it, consume it quicker. Okay. Yeah, Ooh, good, that's what I'm going for. I like it. Uh, our question of the day is this. How much do you want BYU Athletics to lean into the transfer portal? Fun conversation today. Jim Roberts NM on Twitter says heavily, which I define as making sure we are actively recruiting whenever the portal is open for whatever sport needs to add impact players. Keeping in mind that these free agents, uh, you know, college would not like you to call them that, but that's what they are. That's uh, Still have their agency to come to BYU or not. Oh, absolutely. And that is certainly the case for everybody. Ben Peterson on Twitter. I would like them to do quite a bit this year, as there may be athletes willing to come over due to the change to the Big 12. In the future, I would hope it would be less as they recruit and retain talented freshmen. What we didn't mention regarding the transfer portal is that you have to recruit your own athletes every year yes, as well. That's part of it. BYU has really only lost one, I would argue, high-profile athlete. It is Shaley Gonzalez to Texas, who is returning, by the way. BYU will play Texas in women's basketball. Hopefully we get two games and Shaley back uh, in the Marriott Center um, as they went to, I believe, the Sweet 16 uh, and lost to, I think, Louisville. BYU has retained uh, a lot of its high-profile athletes, which has been good. That's um, one of the You can't get a ton from the portal and never give. Yes. Like, don't be shocked if there are more high-profile athletes that at some point leave. It's part of the deal. That is, I think, probably the biggest part about the transfer portal that we don't talk enough about. We talk about all the guys coming in yes. and, and the guys from other places leaving, but, but we don't talk about the part that you – everything, regardless, you, you know, you expect to be there for four years – Everything is a one-year thing anymore. Everybody is reevaluating. Coaches are reevaluating players. Players are reevaluating their role on the system with the coaches. 
every year yep. it's it's the it's the re-recruitment of your own players i think is probably the biggest change yeah. than what from what we've seen it's not it can't be the 2021 utah real estate market where it's just up 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 okay right. <laughs> just always gaining never losing it's like well at some point it comes down 26 uh SCMO on twitter or schemo uh some transfers have been great but most of the greats spent their entire college career here well, traditionally, yes, but that is not the way of the future. Uh, the way of the future is that there will be guys that we will talk about uh, that were here a year or two. Uh, our hope is that Keaton Slovis is one of those. Yeah. Our hope is that Aiden Robbins, for his two years here, is one of those as well. Kingsley Suamataia will have only played two years at BYU before he's hopefully a first-round pick in next year's draft. Um, I just want talent. If they're here a year, two, three, I'm talking the upper echelon ones. Just, like, when Austin Collie left, I was like, it was just awesome that you were here this last year because you were the first or second best receiver in the country, and it was worth it. Uh, when you leave early and you go have success in the pros, we all benefit because we got that year with you. And if this continues to be the way it is, people will get used to this. This will yes, be the we new normal. Want, we want a one-and-done in BYU basketball at some yeah. point. Yep. We want that. That'd be great. That means they were that good. In response, our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX, pronounced healthcare, uh, healthcare elevated. Travis Tingy on Twitter. This is funny. Transfer portal should be great to BYU athletics programs. A lot of reasons that keep high school kids from coming to BYU are no longer an issue for older athletes who are focused on their future goals. Transfer portal is like a YSA award. The odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> well done, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. UConn. Yeah, let's give it to UConn for winning the national championship and... Beating San Diego State. There we go. Our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand at PYUSN.com. Listen, we, we're not the same league, but that rivalry still exists. No, but nobody wants the show to be happy. Great season by San Diego State, but ultimately uh, we would love for BYU to get to that uh, point of the uh, tournament. That'd be awesome. Fun conversation today. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Todd Mortensen. Transfer. Go Cougs!